Hello and welcome to the Gig Hero Podcast. My name is Ashley Green and this is if this is the first time of you listening to this awesome podcast, it's designed to help you learn how to book more gigs and make more money from doing what you love. And every so often we like to bring on awesome, incredible special guests to really have a deep dive into their life, their own performance careers and some of the awesome things we've done. Now we have a wonderful, wonderful magician with us today who's appeared on multiple TV shows like ITV's The Next Greatest Magician, Pen and Tenor Fool Us. I even done a little bit of stalking and saw that he's gone on Lance Burton's Young Magician Showcase, at Masters of Illusion and what runs one of the most incredible and largest magic companies in the world vanishing it's none other than mr andy gladwin welcome to the podcast we didn't even get a minute in before you mentioned young magician showcase thank you yeah you are a stalker <laughs> just don't google that don't look it up on youtube please i've already been there i've already been there my man <laughs> we're linking in the show notes and everything is out there but no thank you for coming on to the podcast i think it's going to be a really interesting one as we dive into it because one of the reasons why i wanted to get you on here not only have you done some incredible things as like we've mentioned like you've had all of this tv stuff you're a great performer as it is yourself, you're doing things which people could only dream of doing. But you've also set up a massive flipping company, which also provides stuff for magicians. And I think it'll be a really interesting dynamic because I've not had anyone on the podcast talk about the actual other side of it. And like you can actually make money from actually selling to magicians as well. Um, so it'll be a really interesting kind of story. But what I'm interested in... Forget about kind of like where you are now. Forget about all of the awesome stuff you've done. I saw that you went full time in about 2010, but even before that, what was he doing and how did you get into your whole kind of like entertainment career? How did that kind of spiral into being a thing and how did you then kind of transition to build it up and make it, well, a career and what you're doing now? Well, it was never my goal to be a entertainer, at least a full-time entertainer. So uh, I left school. The, the day I left school for study leave, which is a thing we have in the UK where you take some time off to study for your exams, I got a job as a web developer, as a programmer, and I basically didn't give myself any time to study for my exams, which is why I pretty much failed all of my A-levels. But I was working as a programmer and I essentially felt that would be my job for the rest of time. At least uh, I would be in the IT world in some way. So I worked for a couple of startups. Uh, one of them became a really big startup and I kind of got to grow with that. Uh, and it eventually sold for, I think, a hundred million pounds. Sadly, it wasn't my startup. Uh, but by being at the ground floor, it meant I could kind of grow in my career. So by the time I left that company, I was UK product manager. So I was in charge of the, the all of the products uh, that were released throughout the UK. And this gave me a really interesting perspective because I had started as a web developer. I ended up working in support and then I ended up managing a, a design team and a user interface team. Uh, then I uh, moved into marketing and product development. So those eight or nine years basically gave me the, the the solutions, the systems, and the skill sets to do what I do now. And I was performing magic part-time throughout that, but that gave me the luxury of just being able to do a gig a month or, or, or whatever. So my goal was never, hey, let's, let's be a professional magician. But eventually it got to the point where I was just doing too much within the magic world that something had to give, either work or magic. And I decided it was time to, to jump and be a full-time magician. But you know why I did that? And this, in retrospect, sounds a little crazy, but 
I have some very good friends uh, who are fantastic magicians, well-known magicians at the top of their game, who have been my friends since I was a kid. And they were getting better and better because they were performing more and more. While I wasn't, I was kind of at a at a standstill, at, at like a plateau, because I just wasn't getting the time to practice because I was working so many hours. I wasn't getting time to perform. So really, the decision to, to become a full-time magician was based on the fact that my friends had all this time to invest in their magic and I didn't. So I was getting jealous and I wanted to, to jump ship and, and start working as hard as they do. So when you say jump ship, like going from a day job and going from something which is clearly quite exciting, clearly something which we can hear you're passionate about and clearly something that pays well to go from the certainty of having the wage and having the income and having the support and everything is just kind of predictable to then going, yeah, and no, I'm going to go out there on the big big old world by myself. How do you make that jump? Because that, for a lot of entertainers, is the biggest, most challenging thing in the world, especially when you've got to factor in your mortgages, maybe you're looking after family and that. So how on earth did you make that jump and how did you do it so you was comfortable with it? Yeah, a lot of people say that must have been so scary, but it wasn't because I had a process in place and a system that I knew would would allow me to to achieve my goals and actually a couple of months before i made the decision i had just got my first mortgage and i had just got married if i remember right uh in that kind of time so it was you know there was a lot of responsibility to to make this work so i didn't just go right i'm full time now and, and walk away and leave work I, I gave myself maybe six months transition plan and vanishing was one of one part of that transition plan it was never supposed to be what it is now it was never supposed to be uh, this large magic brand that has events all over the world and, and has uh, hundreds of thousands of customers it was just meant to be a little side project that would allow josh who's my business partner joshua j and myself to release our own products and control the quality of those products because um, a lot of the people that we'd worked with in the past, you could release a product through them, but they would fill the the packaging would be like Ziploc bags and it would just be bad graphic design. And, and we saw a future where magic was packaged really nicely and the magic instruction was great and the quality of the gimmicks were fantastic. So we wanted to do that for ourselves, not for every other magician that we now work with. So that was was step one. But also, I really ramped up the gigs during that period. I was exhausted before I left work because I was you know, gigging, let's say, four or five times a week and holding up this full-time day job as well. And that day job was a stressful job. I, I was lucky that I, I got flown to meetings in helicopters and was flown in private jets. And I was uh, in London one day and then back in where I live in Gloucester the next day. It was, it was a hectic time. But... I knew that if I just laid the, the transition right, it wouldn't be a problem. And, and actually, I got really lucky because my boss, who I'd worked with for, for many years in different roles, had become a friend as well. And I said to him that I want to leave my full-time job and do a part-time job within the company. And he said no immediately. And I don't think he said no because it wouldn't work within my role because I think we could have made it work. But he knew that I had to either invest everything in what I'm about to do or it's just not going to work. So he did me a real big favor by just saying, nope, you have to jump. If you're going to jump, you got to jump. And I did, and I don't look back now. Absolutely. And to be honest, when you say doing about four gigs a week on average with a full-time job, I'm feeling that. That does not sound fun. <laughs> that, like where one, where do you even sleep? How do you sleep? <laughs> I don't even think you do sleep during that time. But it really doesn't sound fun. Like, But... That seems like the ideal, because at least if you do jump, you have got 
a predictable amount of gigs coming in the back of it and you know that you're a busy entertainer and you've got someone like you say a boss who's, who's basically saying to you you're good enough go do it because they've got faith in you and also you need to make the commitment and jump because you don't want to have your mind focused on two different things but what i'm really interested to ask about how the hell did you make your calendar so busy with gigs in the first place considering you had a day job a very successful high pressure day job how on earth did you get the time to get that many gigs and fill your calendar and be all around doing these events whilst you're jet setting around the world in your day job as well two things one is i'm not afraid of hard work i was, I was getting up early before work to work on uh, the marketing side of things i had a uh, I took it down, but I had a website that was, you know, was specifically designed to get gigs. I was, I was A/B testing stuff. I was SEOing it to the absolute max, and for a period, I was uh, like number one or two, depending on where you search from, for for the key terms like magician, close-up magician, for a short period. Uh, and also, I had great friends that were able to help. You know, when you, when you have friends who are the busiest close-up magicians in the country, and you say to them, "Hey, this is my transition plan. Will you help?" they'll happily feed you gigs. And you might remember back in those kind of times, uh, there was a website called Post Gigs, which really helped generate gigs. Now there's Facebook groups, it's kind of been um, replaced by, by Facebook groups and they work absolutely fine. But there was a system that you could apply for gigs that other magicians couldn't fill. So I was just basically using the help of my friends, using Post Gigs, and just working as hard as I can. You know, it's it's okay to only sleep a few hours a day for six months if you know that it's going to be for your future. So I just put everything I could into it, and uh, I would do it all over again if I needed to in a heartbeat. And when you mention like the the marketing and the SEO and all of the website stuff, like what exactly were you doing there? And the reason why I say that is a lot of my stuff and a lot of what I know how to get gigs is is all about networking like that's my thing I'm a people person I always have been in in my jobs like I've got a sales background so I'm all about talking to people and getting that but when it comes to the technical stuff and all of that when it comes to ads when it comes to like all the online bits and bobs which is your field of stuff that's like my brain explodes not a clue when it comes to that so what sort of stuff are you on about what, what were you doing there how did you how did you get gigs from like using the internet then yeah i was lucky that i put myself in a position of knowledge way before i was even doing gigs because uh my friends came to me for for help with this kind of stuff how what's the best way of seo and what's the what's the current seo tactic to to help get to the top of search engines so i when i started i already had helped those friends and i'd already learned from them as well this wasn't a one-way thing like it, it was always a conversation so i already knew what i wanted to do and the truth is, I can tell you what I did back then, but it doesn't really apply anymore. Things have changed. SEO is an ever-evolving field set. Uh, the only advice I can really give is um, update your website frequently. Put genuine, interesting, and useful content on your website. So I was writing a blog post every single day, uh, sometimes more just so I could get ahead. Uh, and that was one of the things that really helped. Nowadays, it might not help as much. Definitely, uh, it won't help if you're doing the kind of scammy SEO. Uh, if you are looking for a magician in London, then you should hire a magician in London. Those kind of like keyword stuffing, it, it doesn't work anymore. Um, but my, my biggest advice is if you're not into SEO, you're probably not going to win the SEO game because there are many people who are just investing way more time uh, than, than you into it. Uh, but, you know, you have to just play on your strengths. That was my strengths. Using that and using my friendships uh, really helped me back then. 
Um, but you know, if you're a networker, then that's the strength that you need to use. I, I wouldn't recommend just putting your toe in the water because it, it's not going to have any measurable impact. And you know, that's the key to, to SEO marketing is you have to be able to measure what you do so that you can make sure that you're getting a decent return on investment. So here's a question for you. Do you think one of the reasons why you were so successful with, with getting gigs at that time when you had a day job was because of the day job itself? Like it kind of went hand in hand, I'm guessing, with what you were doing there. You could learn bits and bobs and then apply it to your business outside of the day job. Yeah, I was unashamedly collecting information from my colleagues. Like, why not, right? I, I would go to the marketing department and be like, hey, explain to me how AdWords work. And I would spend an hour or two with them. I would see if I could sit in on meetings and learn about how my company was advertising so that then I could transfer those skill sets to magic. Yeah, of course. And if you don't work for a company, you can still do that with friends. Um, and I was always trying to be useful to those departments. I wasn't just leeching information. I, I think if you if you can be genuinely useful. Uh, one of the things I did, I did a trade with the marketing department that I would write jokes for their headlines, for their subject lines, for emails, um, if they would then give me information about what's working, what's not working with SEO and stuff. And uh, I sat in on loads of SEO meetings with a, with a third party company, uh, just so that I could make sure I was useful to them. So yeah, it, it was definitely a trade, but I was leeching as much information as I could, um, so long as I could be helpful in return. Yeah. And for me, I, I can see that completely like one of my old jobs was as an estate agent and to be able to have the, the skills to know how to speak to people, like considering like, I'm, I'm autistic. So speaking to people is not my kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So to be able to be put into that job where you've got to speak to people every day, you've got to have the tenacity to pick up the phone and call and call and call and call and call and, call and then get round objections. That kind of helped me get over something that I was really, really struggling with to be able to learn the skills so that then I could apply it to my business. And, and I still do now. Everything that I do with uh, the Gig Hero, this company, and with also my entertainment business and, and a few of the other things I do, it's all come from like the day job I had. And I think a lot of people kind of like overlook their day jobs and they don't realize that there are so many practical skills which they can use from them and apply within their own entertainment careers. I see so many entertainers just get bored in their day jobs or just want to quit but then they're not actually realizing that there's an opportunity to learn and apply that and use it exactly as you've done exactly as I've done to then get out of the day job or in your case just get too flipping busy because you're too good <laughs> but what what was like the one thing maybe if you was to be in this position now right fast forward let's say you were starting from scratch let's say you were back in that day job the world's changed. It's a completely different place, especially as you've said now, like everything's different. Marketing's different. The internet is completely different to what it was back then. The way like people even interact now is especially different, even after COVID. How would you tackle it now? If you wanted to restart, if you was brand new and you thought, okay, I want to do magic. I want to start booking gigs. I've got this day job that I love, but how on earth do I get some gigs? What, what would you do now? Yeah, that's a great question and a tough one because I haven't really considered it too much. But I think I would probably try and 
target a particular audience. So I wouldn't try and be this magician who's doing kid shows, mentalism, close up, walk around weddings. I would go, right, what am I going to become the expert in? And let's just say it's weddings. And I would just focus all of my energy on making sure that my website is very targeted to web uh, to weddings. I would then uh, maybe go to some wedding fairs. I would look at all of the places that uh, married couples to be, um, bride and groom, uh, are going to, to buy their, their other things for their wedding. I would contact wedding venues and I would just focus on one area because if you just try and do a bit of everything, you're never really going to become the expert. But if you decide, I want to become the best wedding magician in my area, you know, you, you have to, it's, it's a weird phrase I use often, but you have to be the best in the world, but you can be the best in the world in your area. You know, you can be, I can be the, the best magician in the world from Gloucester, for example. So I just would want to focus on becoming the absolute very, very best in, in the very best expert in whatever area I, I would want to focus on. Uh, and that, I think, just opens up so much more potential than just trying to be the everyman. So if I decide it's weddings now, I know I can be looking at wedding websites and blogs and interviews. I could be looking at uh, wedding Instagram. Yeah, that's probably where I'd be going, first of all, actually, is I would be using uh, Instagram, finding the influencers uh, and doing magic at their weddings and uh, for free uh, or, you know, for, for discount, whatever the it looks like to to do magic for influencers and i would just use that route and i think that would probably really help i love that i love that and i think this kind of relates to something that you've literally just mentioned about your old boss as well when you look at obviously your day job when you look at that you're busy with gigs and something's got to give and you're looking at going part-time the thing he said to you is no you've got to do one or the other and it's exactly the same thing here if you're focusing on various different industries your mind is here and here and here and here and here so you can only spend so much attention here and then you've got to be over here and you're so disjointed and you feel like you've got so much going on and then i think that's the quickest way to lead to burnout and get stressed and then get flustered and then not have any gigs coming back in so to just have that clear focus is so important but i suppose one of the really interesting things for you i mentioned it at the start is something which i don't think any of the entertainers uh, and, and an interesting guest we've had on on this podcast have really been able to say um that they have a flipping massive magic company which they also run and you mentioned you wanted to set this up as just a small thing just because you wanted to start selling tricks to just magicians and do it your way and do it right and do it so people aren't getting mugged off so that it's actually a decent trick so that you've got like even down to you mentioned like the fancy packaging and all of that and clear instructions doing it the right way basically and then it took off and skyrocketed why did you want to get into selling stuff to magicians in the first place? Why did that even cross your mind? Like you got into magic because you enjoyed it. When was the moment which you thought, oh, I'll just start selling stuff? So before I answer that, I'm going to jump back to the last question because there's something that's very relevant in in, in this timeline, uh, which is the other thing that I would do if I was just starting to try and get gigs uh, again is, is I would find an accountability buddy. So I work right now, my, my best friend, he has been since we were on that TV show that you mentioned, Young Magician Showcase. Please don't look it up on YouTube. Um, we've been best friends since we were kids. but. We don't just work together, we help each other out. So uh, I use the phrase accountability buddy because that's essentially what Josh is to me and I am to Josh. So 
I would be working with him and I would tell him all of my goals, all of what I want to achieve to get these gigs. And he would be checking in regularly with me. Like, have, have you regularly, I should say, not regularly, uh, regularly to, to make sure that I'm doing these things. And then he would be questioning me, he'd say, you know, is, is the website as good as it can be? Do you need to tweak that? Or, you know, I'd have him check the, the text on the website or the photos. And by having that accountability buddy, it's going to really help improve what I'm doing and and making sure that I actually stay true to the, to the goals that I've set myself. And that leads us in to, to Vanish Inc. nicely, which is the, the company uh, that we founded together. Because the goal was always just to be the best magic shop. We we talked about, the, the whole thing started because we talked about our goals within magic, that we wanted to release tricks that we could um, control the quality of, that we weren't happy with with the way that sometimes when you sell a trick or a book to a, to another publisher, they just basically just rush it out and, and do whatever they want. And we, we had no say in our investment in that. So at the time I'd been writing a couple of magic books in my spare time. One was 52 Memories, which is a book by uh, of magic by a friend of mine called Jack Parker. And I'd released that through my own kind of initiative, I guess, just set up a small website for it and sold copies of that book. And I just wanted an outlet that was a little bigger than than just that. So Josh and I joined forces and we released some of his products, some of my products, and it just started to grow naturally. Um, but as to the reason I wanted to do that, it was not just because of what I just said, uh, controlling the quality, it was also because it's essential to have multiple streams of income if you're in the kind of freelance slash gig market. Uh, and, and I recognized that these are the two streams that I I could invest most of my time in and that I could probably do to the best of my abilities, doing gigs and selling magic to magicians. And of course, what's eventually going to happen is that one of those streams is going to overtake the other as it did for me and Vanish Nick became my, my main focus. You literally just took the words out of my mouth. There we go. Andy is the best mentalist on the planet because he read my mind and guessed the next question because I was literally going to say, so do you think this is really handy for entertainers to have multiple strings of income? And you just come straight in and answer the question. So uh, the answer is, of course, yes, it is very useful to have multiple streams. And back then we were working on other little projects. And, you know, the hardest thing when you do have multiple streams of income is to is to stop yourself and know where you need to focus and whether you need to shut some of those streams down, whether it's temporarily or you. I was often looking at you know, gigs were taking up, let's say, 80 percent of my time. But really, they were giving 20% of the, the reward. The, the, the investment wasn't enough. So that's why gigs had to pull back a little bit back then. Uh, and now I, yeah, my attitude has changed a little bit. Now I'm looking at gigs that I can do, that I can really make an impact to the events, or that are very worthwhile doing, very beneficial for my brand or my bank balance. So they're the gigs I focus on, which means I do a lot less gigs, which I, I don't like about myself. I wish I got to do, perform all the time uh, because I love doing it and I think the only way to be a great magician is to be a performing magician. But, you know, the, the vanishing income stream just absolutely obliterated what I could achieve on a personal level with gigs, like doing weddings around the UK. So, yeah, it's uh, multiple streams of income are essential, but so is constantly reviewing where they are and which one's taking up too much of your time, but not enough of your uh, is not enough of a return. So I've got two questions on the back of that. Um, the second question I'm going to ask later reminds me of something Dan Sperry said on, on a very, very old podcast uh, interview uh, two years ago, and which I'll come to in uh, just a second. But the first question for you based on that is, for the entertainers listening now, they are all in different positions. You've got uh, hobbyists, you've got full-time pros which are doing this, you've got people which are smashing it with 
incredible shows all around the world. And then you've got the people who are in the position of, I want to do entertainment full-time, whether that's magic or playing the guitar, whatever. They want to do like entertainment full-time. And they've heard this and they've probably thought, that makes so much sense because rather than putting all my eggs in one basket, if gigs dry up or heavens forbid, there's another pandemic and all of that. And then suddenly the world goes a little bit crazy and that one stream of income shuts off. At least they've got other things to do. So the appeal might be there. How do they go about finding other strings of income? Like they know they love doing gigs, but how do they find other things to monetize then? Well, the easy answer is that we're in the gig economy. So if you wanted to just make a little bit on the side, there's Fiverr, there's Uber, there's Uber Eats, there's Lyft, there's all these things that makes it so easy. Um, but if you want to focus on your own multiple streams of income, then uh, two things. One is obviously you need to look at where your area of expertise is. Uh, and, and actually, one of the things I was so proud of about uh, some of my friends, when the pandemic hits, they didn't just sit at home saying, well, we're owed gigs, we're owed money, where, where are they? Why is, why is nobody helping us? They said, well, what's my other interest? What, what can I do to pivot? So, you know, so, some people were handymen, other people were delivery drivers. And that's so great that they just decided to you know, not just wait wait this thing out, but were immediately pivoted to start doing their own thing. But it, this leads me into my second part of my answer, which is other people said, well, what is magic right now? Well, it's virtual magic. And I have friends that pivoted and made so much money by doing virtual magic shows. So when you're looking for multiple streams, I think you don't have to look far and wide. I think it's absolutely fine to have multiple streams of income within one niche, one industry. Uh, whether that's, for example, if you're doing gigs, like maybe you could be doing magic lessons on the side or guitar lessons on the side or whatever. Or maybe you could, maybe you realize that you have a strength in marketing and you can help other magicians market themselves, which is a little weird because you know, you're helping create competition but you know if you're a website designer then that's where you can help magicians focus on the website designs or guitar players or whatever um, so i think multiple streams can be acquired within the same niche uh, but if you have other skill sets then you should use them uh, so yeah that's 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 Spot my answer do what you do great Spam, love that um there reminds me of a great little article um Stephen Kotler's like passion recipe to really find out. I mean, it's kind of focused on finding out like your big, massive, transformative purpose of what you want to focus on in life. But he's got some really great articles about there of like finding passion, purpose, drive. So if anyone's interested in that, Google Stephen Kotler if you resonate with what a lot of what Andy said, because you might get a kick out of that. Um, but my second question, which I mentioned earlier, you've given some fantastic points to maybe find something which might be a, another string. And like, it could be so easy. You play the guitar, why not teach guitar lessons? At least you've got another source of income coming in. So on your days where you're not doing gigs, or you've, even if you wanted something else to support you, so you're not having any problems during like the down seasons and that, at least you've got something coming in. I remember Dan Sperry said, you've got to know when to kill your babies. I think he, uh, he worded it exactly like, and you've mentioned it here. You might start a project and you've got to ax it. You might have so many things going on. You realize it's too much or one of your things that you're doing. In your case, you mentioned gigs were taking up 80% of your time, but you only get 20% of the overall archery reward from it. So how do you know when to create that balance? How do you know when to be essential? How do you know when to close things off? And how do you know when to kind of like wind bin things back? I suppose what the question there is really how are you essential with your time and how do you make sure you focus it on the right areas that are right for you and where you are now? 
I can give you a real world example within Vanishing Inc. right now, actually. So we've started doing these retreats, which are where we take, we just got back last week, we took 75 people to Utah. It was 45 magicians and, and some spouses. And we did a four day retreat. So we did magic shows, we did lectures, we did hikes, we did horseback riding, we did all these things. Uh, and it's a new income stream for Vanishing Inc. And it's really great coming out of the pandemic, actually, because we recognize that not everybody wants to go to a large 1,000 person convention, which we also have uh, Magia Fest and we have the session in the UK. Um, so these retreats are really great and they're so great for our business, but they're now taking up more time for us. They're taking up an extra two weeks each retreat a year. And we actually now have, so next year we're running um, three retreats. Two of them are in Tuscany because we're running them twice. And then another one we haven't announced yet. But this is now going to take up about a month of our time being away from home. And that's another load of time to add to, to taking you away from home and taking you away from your desk and, and from gigs and all the other things that we do. So we're now in this position where we're thinking, well, what else takes us away from home? And we start realizing that we are at our conventions. That's another few weekends a year. And then we are... Um, doing uh, conventions that we're lecturing at and we're also having to go to the warehouse and the offices for meetings and we're having to travel around to meet the team and, and we have some retail locations and all of these things are just taking up more and more of our time that we're never at home so the question we're asking ourselves now is of all of these things which ones take us away from home and don't actually give us the biggest return and you know what it might end up being is having a dealer stand at other conventions and, and i see that if we were to pull back that many magicians would their initial instinct would be well vanishing ink's not doing great clearly because they're not even at this convention anymore but the truth is it's, it's the opposite that actually we're doing so well in other areas that we just have to let this one go because we just don't have the time and it's going to be a weird day when that comes when i get to walk around magic conventions without a vanishing dealer stand there but it's probably going to have to come because something has to go we have to kill some babies uh, and doing having dealer stands at conventions is probably the the largest effort to the least return so they may have to be the the first thing to go mm, yeah i think it is a really flipping hard thing to do <laughs> especially if you're so passionate about it and i know for my example like one of the things that i love doing are public stage shows but for me they don't pay me as much as getting in a two or three thousand pound gig like when you're selling a ticket for a tenner and you've only got about 50 people you can have in that hall and then you've got to rent the place and then you need people to help you it's not really that worthwhile for me and there were so many examples of like really really great opportunities i had but when you just weigh it up the amount of time that goes into it you have to close down because otherwise you do hit burnout otherwise you're not sleeping otherwise you're doing all the hard work we mentioned at the beginning but sometimes you just go around in circles and circles and circles and you don't make any progress and you strike me as someone who we've not really spoken about this, but I think you will have the most wonderful answer. Um, I mean, we've partly spoken about it in terms of accountability and you mentioned goal setting with Andy. How do you make sure you're always moving forward and progressing and doing better? Like what is your process when it comes to goal setting? What is your process so that each year you're kind of like going better and better and better and achieving your goals and making sure more importantly that they happen? because so many people will set a goal, especially like we all have it, January, New Year's resolutions comes around and then it gets to February and we've done fuck all. <laughs> like we haven't actually gone and done them. How do you make sure it always goes to the next step and you complete it and, and do well? I have a few techniques for this. Uh, and I had a realization uh, 
bear with me because people will not expect this, but I go, I go to a gym and my personal trainer, uh, I have a big show coming up in a couple of weeks, a really important show for me. And I, I told my personal trainer about it and he said, well, what can I do to help you achieve that goal? Like what, to, sorry, what can I do to help you be where you need to be? Right. And, and I realized that he was asking me that question, not for him, but for me to, re to to work out what goals I needed to set to, to get to where I needed to be. So, of course, you know, I was like, well, I need to get in shape. I need to lose weight. But I might not have asked myself those questions or set myself those goals without him trying to take on a bit of that responsibility. And, and I'm really lucky that I have friends in my life that are exactly like that. So this afternoon, actually, Josh and I have a call about um, helping each other set our goals for the next year. Um, but they're not goals for Vanish Inc. We're just literally going to have a call about working out where we each want to be individually in the next year. And it's strange because it's, it's not the 1st of January. It's not the start of some uh, sales quarter or anything like that. But the reason we decided to schedule it now is because we've both got to that point where we've essentially achieved what we wanted to achieve, what we told each other what we wanted to achieve uh, this year. So instead of just waiting for the rest of the time, we're now you know setting those goals again. And the hardest thing, I think, is actually working out what those goals are. You know, I'm going into this this call today not fully knowing what I, what I want to achieve in the next few months. Uh, I have some big, big ambitions, big, big goals, but they're probably not going to be achievable in the next few months. So we need to work out how we boil those down. So actually, this call that we're having is is less about how do I help you achieve those goals, but more how do we each help find what those goals are so that we can uh, get some actionable things on, on the on the diary or actionable things that we need to do and connections that we need to make for each other to achieve those goals. Uh, and then the, the recent one for me, the, the new one, is that we have uh, just brought on a CFO for Vanishing, Chief Financial Officer. For the first time, we've, we've always used third-party accountants and that kind of thing. But we realized that a lot of the decisions we're making lately are emotional decisions and not, and that's not the ideal situation so you know the, the convention thing that we just talked about like the, the the hardest thing that's stopping us from pulling away from these conventions is the emotional impact that that will have because those conventions have been a part of vanishing for the last 11 years since we started and they are almost certainly a large part of our growth and why we got to where we have and there are imme immeasurable things that those conventions bring us that we we really struggle with so then there's also the emotional impact of if we pull away from these conventions, what does that say to the community at large about conventions or about us? So by using a CFO, we can now have somebody who analyzes the data instead of just the emotion. So that's one of the ways I think we're going to really change how we achieve our goals is to start start looking at it from a much more analytical viewpoint. So a bit of a wishy-washy answer, not the amazing answer you were hoping for, but hopefully that helps. So one is to, to have a, somebody to work with. Two is to recognize what your goals actually are, because I feel like most magicians don't. Three is to, to analyze and try and think about these as data points and not just emotion points. And then the final one is something I picked up from Josh, actually, is I, I send myself emails uh, about what I want to achieve. And um, also, if I've made like a mistake or something that I want to remember, I might write that in a document or, or email it to myself, add it to my notes. But I'm just constantly analyzing and just really trying to, to set myself up for the future, not just for now. Mm, I like that. And yeah, like you said, it kind of links back to what we mentioned, accountability a little bit earlier in the call as well. So how do you know what goals to set them? Because here's the thing you mentioned that like magicians, we start this like, we might just think, oh, I want to go full time or I want to do some gigs. 
how do you start with your goal setting process? Because there's more to it than that. You can't just say, I want to, I want to book some gigs this year. That's my goal. <laughs> it's not really a goal is you can't measure it. You can't track it. And then you can't make logical decisions as opposed to emotional decisions to how, later down the line. So how do you go to actually make sure that you've got something tangible you can measure, you can track and, and vice versa and all of that? So performing wise, my goal started with a, a controversial, a controversial question that I asked myself, which is, is doing weddings and those kind of gigs, is that the entry point for magicians? And for, for many magicians, that's the end point. They, that's what they want to do and good for them. That's their ambition. And then it's easy to set goals within that. You know, just decide how many gigs you want to try and do, you know, by working out what you need to earn, uh, what you would like to earn, because I think there's two levels. There's what we need to earn to live, what we would like to earn to live the life that we would like to live. Um, and and for me, I just realized, well, wedding gigs and, and, and corporate gigs, like they're great. But what if they are just the starting point? What is what if there is a, a level above that that I want to try and achieve? So for me, by recognizing that, I can then start to work out, well, what is it that I want to do? Uh, I want to be able to do TV shows. I want to be able to do interesting, weird gigs that uh, that exceed the, the standard weddings, corporate gigs. So by recognizing where you want to get to, then I think you can start to, to work towards those. And I also have some extremely ridiculous goals, goals that like I would be embarrassed to say. Uh, they're not, I, but I think they're, they're just on the edge of achievable. So they're not things like be a famous magician. Like that's not going to happen for me. That's and I, and I accept that. Um, but they are goals that are more along the lines of uh, have my own TV show or something like that. So. Um, by having those goals, I can chip away towards it. Yeah, I may never get there, but at least I can start to work towards it. So that's how I do it, at least. It's rarely, it's never, I don't think, actually, a financial decision. It's not how much money do I, would I like to earn. It's it's where would I like to, to position myself and where would I, what life would I like to live? Where would I like to live? What would I like to be doing with my time in, in, in five years' time? So that's at least the way I, I set my goals. Oh, you remind me so much of the stuff that we've been preaching about for the past two years, telling people it's not about the money you make. It's not about all of this. It's about just like what sort of life do you want to live? We had something a while back called uh, the vision stack training where we were teaching people the way we go through to plan out everything in your business. First of all, forget about the business. Just start looking at your life. Like, what do you actually want to be doing? Because that is the biggest dictator of everything. If you don't plan out your life, first of all, you're just going to set up a business and then the business is going to own you. But if you start to set up your life, you now realize, okay, how much free time do I need? What do I want to be doing? You can plan your expenses from that. You know how much income you need. You know where you've got to be. You know if you want to be traveling around and then you can build a business which will fund and fulfill that so that you can actually start to be happy and do the things you want rather than just, well, I see unfortunately a lot in the entertainment industry. People go full time, they build it up, they do. It, they become really successful and like go, go and go and go and go and go. But then they're not actually doing anything in their own personal lives with the things that they want to achieve. And then they often get a little bit down. They end up quitting the, whether it's magic or their performing career to pursue something else because they've lost passion. They've lost focus and it's become uninspiring for them. So I'm so glad you've touched on actually like your life and what you want to do with that. That's a, that's a massive one for me. I think the two things for me is I'm not money driven. I am success driven. And to me, success is being the best magician that I can be. And that's what drives me all throughout what I do. 
Uh, but the other thing is, I'm never, I'm never seeking happiness. I've always been happy with where I am and what I'm doing. So I was just as happy working in an office uh, in tech support as I am right now running Vanishing Inc. and doing the, the few gigs and TV shows that I get to do. Um, so I'm never chasing happiness because I think that's always going to lead to failure. So I always set myself up and, and make small hops so that I'm still always happy. And I'm very lucky in that you know we don't all have that that mental health uh, kind of capacity. I, I, I'm very privileged that that I just I've always recognize that I'm on that same happy level. So I'm never seeking happiness. I'm never seeking money, but I'm just seeking to be the best I can be at the things that I'm working on. Oh, that that is a soundbite right there. D. Rog, make a note. Cut that out as a soundbite. We use that everywhere. Beautiful. I love that. Can you um, let us in, like, as we come towards the end of the episode now? You've mentioned that you want to be doing like more of like when it comes to your performance career events that you really can have an impact at when it comes down to the event specifically, the strange events, the quirky events. What, if you're comfortable saying it, what is one of the strangest, quirkiest, most interesting events you've ever performed at or been at? Uh, I was booked to do a gig many years ago now, like 15 years ago, uh, on a private yacht in the Bahamas over New Year's, where the, the, the yacht next to it was Bill Gates' yacht, and I was flown in a private jet to get to it. Like, that's pretty quirky. That's pretty cool. That's the kind of, like, core life memory. Like, I can still remember looking over the sea at the other boats. I can still remember walking onto that jet going, what is this? This is card tricks. Um, but but it's transitioned for me, you know, I, because I, I lecture uh, for magicians. So we just did a retreat in South Africa where I did um, a lecture in a, in a five-star resort uh, that was literally in the desert. I've done a gig in the jungle because of Vanishing Inc. and because of these retreats. Um, but for me, you know, where I want to transition to is actually a lot more uh, speaking at events, uh, at kind of IT or, or kind of corporate events, uh, doing keynote speeches more than with magic integrated in them. So to me, that's where I'm, I'm always working towards because I just recognize that I think I would really enjoy that part of, of my career. Yeah, and I think with some of the stuff that you've mentioned today, you can have a real impact on people's lives as well. And you can help more people because it's one thing to do a card trick, but to inspire someone and help someone that really kind of hits home for me is why I like doing this stuff and helping other magicians book gigs, because for me, it's more fulfilling than actually doing the gigs itself. Yeah. Um, I found that the, the more I work, the, the more I think about scale and that I can help people at scale instead of, you know, doing like a, if I, did some did a trick one on one to somebody that's great, but how can I scale that to be you know one on ten thousand people? And, and I'm constantly thinking about through Vanishing Inc. How how can we scale this to to impact more people? Is really important to me. I love that. Well, as we kind of like come to the end, can like is there an insight you can give us into like what we can expect either from Vanishing Inc. in the future or for you and your own kind of like bits and bobs and your performance career you do outside of this in the future? Like where would you like to go or are there any sneaky like insights you can leak at all? And if there aren't any, you could be like, no, <laughs> we move on. <laughs> sneaky insights are, are really difficult because I, I, I don't want to talk too much about them because I find that um, the, the more I talk about them, the, the more real they feel, but they may never become real. So so I'm working on some projects right now that are just incredible, that like make me pinch myself, the fact that I am working uh, on these things. But if I was to say them out loud, then all of a sudden they, they become a thing that's happened instead of a thing that's happening right now, uh, which I hate. I hate that I, I, I feel that way because I would love to tell you about in particular one project I'm working on right now. I'm just about to, to fly back out to America to, to work on it um, for a, a few more weeks. But 
yeah, if, if it becomes a thing, then then I you will not be able to avoid me talking about it. But for now, I'm going to hold back a little bit just because I, I actually want it to be a thing instead of just something I talk about. Ah, excited. So what we're saying, we all need to keep an eye on you and wait, wait, wait in eagerness <laughs> for some exciting things to maybe or maybe not be announced at some point in the near future. Yeah, it's the thing with projects, right, is they don't always come about. You can you can sign the contract, you can film or whatever you know you can do all the work but until until you see that finished product until people see that finished product it's not a thing so i'm holding back there's probably a little bit of crypticness in there that would help people <laughs> work it out i love that i love that well andy i want to say like we've got about 130 like people in various different countries well, 130 more than there's people in 130 countries all around the world all with the same thing they're listening to this because they want a career in entertainment. They want to do better. They want to book more gigs. Um, and some of the stuff you've said today has really been insightful. Um, and like I say, it's so nice to get authentic responses and to get like the truth and just like some absolute gold, which I hope D-Raj is like going to split this up and take so many sound bites because they're so useful from this episode. But what I want to ask is, is there one final message you'd love to leave to people like one final thought something you maybe forgot to mention something which you thought oh this will be handy or just like a nice little message to leave people um who are entertainers who are ultimately in the position which we've all been in we're in a day job looking to quit looking to pursue entertainment full-time but we're not quite sure how to get there yet is there a one final thing you can leave us on I think success comes from loving what you do and you can see all these books behind me I love magic. I spend all my life reading about magic. And I think audiences can feel that. I think audiences can feel when they're in the hands of an expert. And that really helps grow a business and grow a performer. So if you really love what you do and you specialize in it and you aim to become an expert in it, I think I think that's the answer to success right there. So that's my message is just be as great as you can because it's going to create so much, so, so many opportunities by uh, getting more gigs because more people talk about you but also the ultimate goal is when you perform magic or do whatever your passion is and, and people enjoy it and take something from it like that's the ultimate goal for me oh, beautiful well thank you so much for coming on the podcast you have to let us know where can people find you um and we'll link it all below yeah you can check me out on instagram i'm pretty boring on instagram but you can check me out there vanishing ink that's the place to go and you can see all of the weird and wonderful things that we're working on right now absolutely and we'll link that all below in the show notes so definitely check that out well with that said andy thank you so much for coming on the gig hero podcast it's been an absolute honor you've dropped some absolute gold it's been so helpful so insightful and i know this is going to help so many wonderful people around the world so andy thank you for coming on the podcast thanks for having me goodbye